Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله إن شاء الله تعالى we'll continue the sessions about the seerah of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم the last few sessions we are talking about the the migration of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم from مكة to مدينة we did go into details uh, of that migration and then we talked about the key points the most important points uh, in that migration so Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam he finished his journey from Mecca to Medina he has the authority in Medina he has the power in Medina that was considered to be the end of the first era in the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When we go and read and study the, the books of the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu we find that there is the era called Mecca era and there is the Medina era, Madani era. Mecca and Madani. So that was the end of Mecca and the beginning of Medina era. So that is a completely a new stage that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is about to start. So from now on, inshallah ta'ala, we'll be talking about completely different things that's happening. Completely different than what used to happen in Mecca. But before this, briefly inshallah ta'ala, I will go and make a quick review of the methodology of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he followed in Mecca, which led to what's going to happen in Medina. And what is going to happen in Medina that day when he reached Medina, that was the birth of the Islamic State, a state that became later on the state number one in the whole world, the strongest state ever that lasted for almost 1,300 years or more. That's the era that we're gonna go, we are going to talk about later on. But before this, we, gonna, we would like to review what are the stages and the steps that the Prophet ﷺ did in Mecca that led into that incident. And again, we would like to emphasize on this, which is the study of the seerah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's not a study for enjoyment or for a story or for somebody to, you know, to impress the people that he knows about the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The study of the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has to come from a fiqh perspective from a point of 
We are looking for a blueprint to follow. We are looking for a roadmap to follow in order to solve the issues of the Muslim Ummah nowadays. So in, in Mecca, would, we could summarize the seerah in Mecca into three stages. Into three stages. And for each stage, it has an objective and it has a set of actions that the Prophet ﷺ was following. And as we have seen, that these stages and these actions, it was wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was not like uh, something you try, it fails. You go and try something else, it fails. You go back to the first and uh, you try it and fails. No, it was a wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet ﷺ was following what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing to him. So the first stage, it has an objective. The objective of the first stage was to build up a group of people to build up a group of people who has the ability and the capability and the strength and who has the qualification and who has the skills to carry on this da'wah to move on with this da'wah that was the objective of that stage to build up a strong block group party just name it just name it that stage took the Prophet ﷺ almost three years. Within that stage, we have seen that the Prophet ﷺ was doing certain actions that would fulfill that objective. So Rasulullah in the first three years, he was not going and addressing the society of Mecca with Islam openly. No. If we go on, as we have seen, Rasulullah was selective. He used to go and talk to certain people, those people whom who think they have the ability, they have the qualification, and they have the willing to sacrifice in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to carry on this da'wah, to carry on this da'wah. So he was not addressing the way of life. He was ad not addressing the gods of Meccan people. He was not addressing the system. He was not addressing and talking about the figures of Mecca. He was talking to certain people. Those people who used to call them for Islam, once they are converted to Islam, he takes them into a process of culture, a process of build-up personalities, a, a process of build-up personality. And those person, personalities, those Sahaba, those first, if you will, the core of the da'wah, once they get the message, they did not just keep it for themselves, no, they would go and invite other peoples, such as Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. After three years, Rasulullah he built up a block of 30 to 40 people, very strong personalities. Has the ability to go and sacrifice in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 30 people to 40 people, based on the assumptions at that time, it was enough for Mecca. You did not, more than, you did not need more than 30 to 40 people. That was enough. And the qualification of those people, it was enough to launch the following and the second stage of the da'wah and that stage it's known as the stage of proclaiming the da'wah now Rasulullah he starts addressing the society at large addressing the way of life addressing the relationships between the people addressing the elites of Mecca and the objective of that stage is what? is to bring the people of Mecca or 
the majority of the people of Mecca to bring them into a level where they believe in this Islam, they adopt Islam, and they wanted to live their life based on this Islam, and this will lead to give the authority to the Prophet ﷺ to start practically implementing Islam on them. Implementing Islam on them. That was the objective of the second stage. The actions that Rasulullah was doing, Rasulullah was targeting the ideas, the thoughts. He was addressing the aqaid that existed in the, in the society of Mecca. He was not doing more than that. He was focused, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the first from the first day when he told him, فَاصْدَعْ بِمَا تُؤْمَرْ وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّا كَفَيْنَاكَ الْمُسْتَهْزِئِينَ فاصدع بما تؤمر, Proclaim with the haq, with the truth. Address the people that the, your way of life, it's a corrupted way of life, it's bad, it's nasty. You have to replace this one with the way of life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to you and you have to reject all of these idols, all of these systems and to accept the system of Islam, the system of Islam. Rasulullah, he was focused. Say it. Do not pay attention to all of the distraction that happens from, you know, from the people left and right. Just focus. Just focus. Keep going. And Rasulullah, he did continue his work by tongue only. Convincing the people, hitting the ideas of the kufr and the shirk, hitting the ideas of imitation, hitting the ideas of uh, you know, uh, the ancestors hitting the ideas of their idols, hitting the, the elites and breaking the relationship between the, the you know, the, 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 the rulers and the people. So he was doing what is known as, you know, intellectual struggle. Intellectual struggle means you have an idea and they have an idea. You make these ideas facing, facing each other. And of course, since you have the haq, then your idea, it will smash the bottle on his face and his head and demolish and remove this, this bottle. And of course, within this stage, we have seen that the Prophet ﷺ was not dragged into a physical clash with the Quraysh. He did not. Even though the Sahaba used to demand that, Abdul Rahman ibn Awf used to ask and demand, why don't we go and fight them? Rasulullah would tell him, Lam nu'mar ba'd. We were not commanded for this. Our job is to convey this message and to change the mind of the people and to make the people believe by mind and heart in this, in this message. In this message. So we did not see the Prophet as we said, forming a military wing for the Sahaba. He did not go and form an assassination band to go and assassinate Abu Jahl or Abu Lahab or Ridul Mughira. And at the same time, Rasulullah was not doing charity work. We have seen this very clear, very clear in the seerah of the Prophet We did not see the Prophet going and collecting donations to go and free Bilal or free Al Yasir or no. Abu Bakr Siddiq was doing that willingly from himself. It was not based on the order of the Prophet Rasulullah was focusing on this just to convey the message and to convince the people with this and to, con and to make and to, to, to try to get the society, on, the society of Mecca in a level where the masses of the people would believe in this message and then it will lead to, you know, for the Prophet to take the authority. 
That stage took a long time with the Prophet ﷺ, almost seven years. Seven years with a lot of struggle, as we have seen with the people of Quraysh. They have used all types of uh, things to prevent this message. And then we came to a point of time when the society of Mecca was frozen, was blocked. No more people accepting Islam, no more, no more people willing to accept Islam. And the elites of Quraysh, they, are taking, they took this issue seriously and they wanted to kill the Prophet ﷺ. So Rasulullah he started doing another action within this stage, that action called the Sikh of the Nusra. And we have seen that Rasulullah was doing that based on the rule and the commands from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu he starts taking the Nusrah from the, from, the, from the tribes, and we have seen that Rasulullah did not compromise. Rasulullah did not give up. Rasulullah was looking for something that is not conditional. He did not accept any conditional support at all. We have seen all of this. So he was persistent. He was strong in this. He was focusing. He had patience. He has full trust. This is very crucial. Full trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this deen will prevail, that this deen will be victorious one point at one time at one time so and that led to the result in medina the fruit of the work of the 13 years in mecca led into the you know the state in in medina in medina so we have seen the sacrifice that was given by the prophet and the companion during the work in mecca that was resulted in Medina, in Medina, and as we said, along with this sacrifice, there was the trust in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. If there is no trust in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, if you don't trust in Allah, if you don't trust Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, if you don't have in your mind that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will make this deen victorious, if that was missing, what would be the motivation then? If I have doubt that I'm going to to to, to reach my destination, or if I have doubt that Allah will help me to reach my end, my destination. What would be the motivation? Nothing. I won't be motivated. I won't even move one single inch in my work to, uh, towards Islam. If that trust does not exist, if we don't see the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we don't feel it, that it's going to happen, it's going to, to occur, then there is no motivation and then this Nasr will not happen. That was the status of the Prophet ﷺ in the 13 years of Mecca. They used to see it, in, they used to feel it, they used to see it, they used to see it very clear, very close, very near. This ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised the believers that he will give them authority on this earth, that, some, that, that thing for them, it was very obvious, very clear, that is going to, to happen. If we don't believe in the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it won't happen. That really led to the a new stage, to the new era in, in Medina. And that now will be the talk. In Medina, Rasulullah as we said, he entered Al-Medina with the Ansar surrounding him, supporting him, protecting him. After that, 13, we said 13 years in Mecca, then 
10 years in Medina, he sallallahu alayhi wasallam worked to protect, to expand, and to preserve the Islamic State until it stood firmly on solid bases. Then he carried this da'wah to the rest of the world. Now the question comes, was the migration of the Prophet and when he reached his destination in Medina, was that the end of struggle? Was that the end of challenges? Was that the end of obstacles, problems, issues? We did talk in the 13 years in Mecca, there was a lot of struggle, a lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of like fight uh, from the kuffar. Is that enough? I mean, is that, is that over? Did we come to uh, a place and uh, a, a situation where there is no challenges that's going to face the Muslims? Or still there is more challenges, but maybe in a different forms. And those challenges that they face the Prophet ﷺ, are they necessary to face the Muslims now? So to study the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, we will see how he did وسلم, deal with these challenges, so we'll deal with, with them in the, same, in the same way. We have to realize that this stage is not less risk, is not less in risk than Mecca. Maybe it would be like even more. It would be like even more. So this era and this stage, it has its own obstacles, it has its own challenges, and the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was very well prepared for this. It has its own challenges, issues, problems. Therefore, if the preparation to protect this stage, it's not well done, then the state will collapse. From the first hit, we're talking about what? We're talking about a new state, a new state that was developed, still weak, does not have the treasury house of the, for that state still empty, has nothing in it. But how a Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he do? How he faced these challenges? In 10 years, until he developed a state that was threatening the two main powers at that time, Persia and Roma, and Rome, including the challenges from the tribes in the Arabic, the, the Arab Peninsula. If the foundation of the state is not clear in the minds of those who are working to, to, to establish that state, if it's not clear in their minds, then the state that they are going to build will not have the ability to stand against the first challenge to face. Therefore, the constitution, if the constitution for that new state is not really unclear, and if it's not based on the Islamic aqidah, and if the systems that will govern the life of the people are not ready and not set in a clear manner, then this state will definitely fail. The state will face, let's say, media campaign. A lot of media campaign gonna 
go against the state. And that's what happened with the Prophet ﷺ in Medina. To distort the image of this state and to broadcast the false propaganda against this state. So how did the Prophet ﷺ face all of these challenges? This state will face internal and external enemies. Such as what? You hear that the fifth column, right? There is something called the fifth column. In Arabic, they call it Tabur al-Khamis, door agents, puppets who exist within the state, who will always get help and support and aid from external forces to form what so-called oppositions, to feed them with, you know, support and money and whatever it takes to do what? To do the destruction from within the state itself. And we will see that this type of people, they existed in Medina. The munafiqeen, the hypocrites. The, the, the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. So the, the picture has to be very clear about all of these challenges before the state is established and the preparation must take place in a strong manner. Otherwise, the state will fail. And the people and the hopelessness, yes, will be, you know, leaked to the hearts and the minds of the people. And they will say, is this what, we're, what we are like? We're waiting for from the first hit, it collapsed and it's gone? So what are the, are the bases and the foundation that the Prophet ﷺ established in the Muhajireen and in the Ansar that led to this string, that, to, to, that led to a very strong state in 10 years of work in Medina. The first and the most important principle is the Aqeedah. Rasulullah he constructed and built the Aqeedah in the minds and in the hearts of the Muhajireen and Ansar at the same time in Mecca and in Medina, the last year in Medina. This means what? This means, in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all these sacrifices become easy no matter what. No matter what, how huge and big the challenge is, such as hunger, sanction, poverty, tiredness, sleepness, all of this will face the Muslimin. All of this face the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of these issues were taken care of by establishing the concept of Aqeedah in the hearts of the Muhajireen and Ansar. Such, what? Such, such, such as what? Such as, well, if you, are fe if, you, if you feel hunger or sanction that all types of you know, states and governments and whatever, name them, they're going to come and surround you and to have like establish a very severe sanction against you, what would happen to you? Hunger, poverty, diseases, no food, no resources, nothing. So what do we do? What do we do? All of this has been solved by what? By the aqidah, the rizq. Who provides this rizq? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was established very well. Death and life. Who is behind death and life? Who holds my soul in his hands? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who provides victory? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We must have trust in him. We must have tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That was the first and the most important principle that was established. People who having these aqidah in their minds, nobody can stand against them. Nobody can defeat them. Nobody can, you know, 
demolish them at all. And that was proven by the few people in Medina who stand firmly with the Prophet The second principle that the Rasul was established, established in the hearts and the minds of the Muhajireen and, 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 and Ansar, and it, it has to be established as well nowadays in the hearts and the minds of the Muslimin nowadays in order to gain the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second one, which is the scale of actions. It was the halal and haram. All of their actions was based on what is prohibited and what's allowed. They were not looking at self-interest. They were not looking at tribalism as a, a, as a scale of action or patriotism or self-interest or any of these things. All of these, they were dropped. Even though they were strong before Islam, the relationship, the relationship between the, 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 the people of Mecca and Medina, the relationships between the people in, the, in, the, in these areas, it was all tribalism. All of these got faded with time and replaced with Islam. And the third principle, that the happiness in this dunya is to achieve the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, regardless of the situation of the Muslims. Regardless of the situation, regardless if I am in a fear status state, or if I am in a poverty state, or if I am chased out, as long, as long, as long, my objective is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then definitely, definitely, you will achieve the objective. These are the principles and the concepts that the whole life, the whole life in Islam is based upon. upon. Therefore, the Prophet built and developed very rich culture and civilization that existed until now. That existed until now. Why? Because of these foundation and principles that were established in the Muhajireen in Ansar. No. So now let's just talk a little, a little bit on the challenges that faced the Prophet in Medina and how he faced these challenges and he overcome them. But before that, we need to understand one more thing and I would like to emphasize on this more and more and more. We have to understand that the study of the way Rasul handled these issues not for the purpose of collecting information and being knowledgeable or so uh, 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 about these stories and know these, these stories and to enjoy, men, to enjoy them. We have to understand that these are a divine rules. The action of the Prophet ﷺ when he faced these challenges in Medina or before Medina, these are divine rules, these are hukum shari' that we have to follow. Therefore, the challenges that Faced the Prophet ﷺ, when he established the first estate, it's going almost, if not all of them, they will be going to face, I mean the Ummah nowadays will going to face these challenges. And therefore, therefore, the coming Khalifa inshaAllah to overcome and deal with all of these stages, must these challenges must follow, must follow what the Prophet ﷺ did in Medina to overcome all of these challenges. Hence, he ﷺ in 10 years built that strong state. He taught us how and when to have treaties.
He taught us how and when to declare war or peace. All of this was very clear. All of this was very clear in the seerah of the Prophet Within these 10 years, within these 10 years, Allah, Rasulullah, he, he, is, his, he proved to us, he proved to the Muslimin, he proved to the people that this deen of Islam, it is not a deen of individualism. This is a political system that has a complete way of life, that has a complete system. Systems that govern all the life of the people. It's not, it's, it's not like what we call it like a, a, a religion of a masjid that is locked inside the masjid or inside a temple or inside a certain location. This is a practical deen. It's a complete way of life. It's a complete way of life. That's what our Rasul has taught us. So studying all of this is not for the, for the sake of enjoyment or for the sake of having the knowledge or, or so on or so or so. No, this is for the sake of implementation, the sake of following. The sake of following the Ummah, inshallah ta'ala, is very close. It's very close, inshallah ta'ala, to overcome all of these regimes that exist and to remove them and to establish a new Islamic state, the second Islamic state. So we have to be ready and prepared. The Ummah has to be ready and prepared to overcome these challenges. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived to Medina, we have just to look, need to look at the society in Medina. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived to Medina, the society, and here we're talking about what? We're talking about Aus and Khazraj. They were Muslims for how many years? If we talk about the majority of them, one year. If we just consider the work of Mus'ab, the work of the the work of Mus'ab in Medina, he worked for one year until he developed, you know, the uh, public opinion. But one year is it really enough to overcome all of the issues between the Aus and Khazraj, the fights, the war that happened between them, and all the conflict that was caused by the Jew? between the Aus and the Aus and and Khazraj. So that's a problem. That is a problem that could face the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And here, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, did he say their deen is new and fresh and sometimes it could be weak? These words that we hear them today, right? So the deen of the Ummah is very weak. The Ummah is not ready. So we have to start implementing Islam in a gradual manner. Gradual implementation of Islam. That's what we hear it. If the gradual implementation of Islam would be valid, the Prophet ﷺ would have done it the time he, re- he reached Medina. No, he did not. He did not. From day one. From day one, he did not come and say, well, let's keep and, and, and allow some of the old habits of the ignorant time, the jahiliyyah time. He did not do that. He would not accept that. Rasulullah from day one, he declared that sovereignty belongs to Islam. He sallallahu alayhi wa established covenants, covenants, 
and the relationships between Muslims and each other and between Muslims and non-Muslims in Medina, all of them they were established based on what? Based on the aqidah of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya you who believe, you have to enter Islam, all of Islam. All of all of Islam. Even though the majority of the Muslims in Medina, the majority in Medina were not Muslims. The majority was not Muslims. It's true that they were the stronger. Muslims, they were the stronger. Public opinion belongs to them. But the majority were not Muslims. So, any issues could happen in Medina. Any issues could happen in the Medina. But with all of this, the Rasul did not accept anything except Islam. Except Islam. Yet nowadays, we see many people, what they say, even though nowadays the majority belongs to who? who, who like if we look at the, at, at the world, who are, the majority are Muslims, right? The majority in the world right now are Muslims. And even with this, even with this, you would come and see some people, they come and they say what? We can't implement Islam at all, at all. We can't come and force, you know, the people to close their bars or to change the banking systems or to do this. They want to come, they want to come up with a hybrid sort of Islam that you mix like from Europe, from America, from Turkey, from here. Let's mix it and come up with a new system, okay, that will allow us to go and, you know, gradually implement Islam. Rasul with the minority Muslims in Medina did not do that and this is our best example. Rasul is our best example. He did not do that. He did not. Now I'd like to go back to the challenges that faced the Prophet and in order to do that we have to first look at the people in Medina. Who lived in Medina? If we look at Med in, 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 uh, in Medina, we find three categories. And each of these categories, they have their own problems, and they have their own challenges that the Rasul has to overcome. The first group are Muslims. Are Muslims. Those Muslims, number one, are the Aus and Khazraj. Thus, the house, the house, and Khazraj, and these are the original people who lived in, in, in Medina. And their situation, as we said, they were in war, conflict between them, between, moreover, those people financially, they were poor. And they were suffering from the dominance of the Jew on Medina, and there was a lot of debt, a lot of debt that they have to pay to the Jewish. So they are poor. They are poor financially. Uh, they did not have the, 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 uh, that much. They had a lot of conflicts. They had their own issues before. And there is a lot of debt. And you need to add at the top of that is what? A new group of people, they are migrating 
from Mecca to Medina. That will increase the burden in their shoulders. So that's a by this is by itself is a big deal that the, that the Prophet ﷺ has to deal with. The second category among the Muslims are the Muhajirin. Those people they left behind them in Mecca their wealth, their money, their property. Some of them they have left their families. What they need? They need shelter, they need food, they need somebody to harbor them without making them feel that they are, let's say, you know, a second class or immigrants. You know, they don't want to have this, they don't want to see this, they don't want, they want to be, they, they have to be like helped and supported without touching and their honor and their dignity. Their honor and their dignity. That's by itself also a challenge and an issue that's facing the newborn Islamic State. And there are more, two more categories of Muslims, but they were not living in Mecca, in Medina, but still, they are under the, they are under the responsibility of this new state. The first one is what? The Muhajireen who went to Habasha. They were commanded to go to Habasha based on the command of the Prophet And those people won't stay there for a long time. At one point, they will need to come and join the, the state in Medina. And that also will increase the burden. And the second category that did not live in Mecca, in Medina, they live in the surrounding tribes. If you remember in Mecca, when some people from other tribes, they used to come to Mecca and meet with the Prophet and they enter Islam, like Abu Dhar al-Ghafari, Wattufayl ibn Amr al-Dawsi. Those people, they went to their tribes and Rasul told them, go back to your tribes, convey the message, call the people for Islam, call the people for Islam, and stay there, and stay there, and do not join me until you see me dominate. When I dominate, you join me. Those people also what? Under the responsibility of this new state. The third one are those people, the weak people who stayed in Mecca, who were locked in Mecca, and who are facing all types of oppressions in Mecca, oppression in Mecca. So those people also, also under the responsibility of the Islamic State. So how are Rasulullah is going to deal, with, to deal with this challenge? If you look and see so many challenges, it needs a lot of work, but Rasulullah he did deal with all of these. So this is the category of the Muslims, and these are their issues. Okay? Now the second category about the people who were living in Medina are the Mushrikeen. Still, there is Mushrikeen, and those Mushrikeen in, uh, inside um, uh, Medina and surrounding the Medina, who could impact the state? The first one, the Mushrikeen of Aws and Khazraj. Those people, they rejected Islam, and they did not enter Islam. And soon, among those people, the Mushrikeen, or the Kuffar of Aws and Khazraj, a new fifth column is going to be developed. That is the hypocrites, the Munafiqeen, who are the most dangerous 
or the most internal danger on the state, on the state. That is a big challenge that will face the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now the third, the other, the other mushrikeen or the other mushrikeen, the, mushrik, the mushriks of, you know, who are surrounding the Medina, who are surrounding the Medina. Those people, those people and those tribes are the threat, they, were, they are a threat on the Islamic state. They were a threat on the Islamic state because they live their life on deprivation, stealing, attacking others. Therefore, they could form an alliance with Quraysh against the state, against the state. And then there is the Mushrikeen of Mecca. Those who look at the Islamic state as a big threat. Why? Because this state was established on the route of their business to Hashem. This one thing. The other thing, this state, it took from them who? The young men, their people. They left their parents and they left their tribes and they joined the, the new Islamic state. That is also, you know, it was some sort of a big deal. So those people is a big threat. And soon we will see that those people of Mecca, they are the first to declare the state of war against the Islamic state. That is a big challenge. And the first thing they did in Mecca, they were stealing the property of the Muhajirin. The Muhajirin, they left, right? So they went and they took all of their property, their houses, their, uh, their money, their wealth, everything. Everything. They took everything. That's also a big challenge. You see that? This is still a new state. Still a new state. And these are all kinds of challenges that's going to face the Islamic state. The third category that live in Medina, which also very dangerous and a big threat, is the Jew. Very slick. Very, very slick. And they are known with their wiliness, conspiracies against the Islamic State. And at the top of that, they control the market and the business. So they hold in their, in their hand the spiral economy of the state. The, 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 the spiral core of the economy of that state, such as they used to sell you know, and buy grains, clothing, jewelries. And more, they were controlling most of the water wells in Medina. So those people could cause an economic crisis in Medina, and they could help in any sanction against the Muslimin in Medina. And at the top of that, they used to consider themselves as an educated people who have a book, who have the culture, and they consider the rest as ignorant and jahileen. So they were, you know, acting with arrogance. With arrogance. And at the same time, as we said, they were the main one who caused all kinds of conflict between Aus and Khazraj. Those people, as we will see, they are a big threat to the state. They are a big threat to the state. So all, these are the challenges, these are the issues that exist in Medina, and for each of them we have seen 
that the Prophet وسلم, dealt with each of these categories in a manner that led to build up that strong state. What was the first thing to do? The first thing to do is, and the most important thing to do is what? Is we have to build a headquarter for this state. You need a place to run the affairs of the people in this state. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, started building the masjid with all Muslims, Ansar and Muhajireen, side by side and hand by hand, helping each other with the Prophet sallallahu was carrying the mud and uh, carrying the stones and building this this, uh, uh, this message, this, this, this incident by itself, it shows, you know, how the Muhajireen and the Ansar, they get together, and how they were very excited. They were very excited that they are building the, uh, the, 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 the Sarh, the building, the, the headquarter for the state that they were waiting for. And if you go and see the seerah, they were with the Prophet wasallam singing this nasheed, saying, um, uh, oh Allah, we seek no living except the living of the hereafter. Allahumma la aisha illa aishu al-akhirah. Allahumma rahamil ansara wal-muhajira. Allahumma rahamil ansara wal-muhajira. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have your mercy on the ansar on, and the muhajirin. So that masjid had a very great role in the state that will help to overcome all of these challenges. Unfortunately, nowadays, the masjid, the masjid has been built to go inside, you pray. You finish your prayer, you go outside, then they close it, especially in the Muslim world. Especially in the Muslim, in the Muslim world. The masjid was the headquarter of the state that has all the administration departments in the masjid of Rasulullah In that masjid, in that masjid, all the economic plans were set. From that masjid was considered to be the da'wah center. That masjid was considered to be the educational institute where the people they used to come and ask the Prophet ﷺ about anything that they see, anything that they face, they come and take and gain and, and absorb and get the knowledge from the Prophet ﷺ. That masjid was considered to be the parliament of that state of that state in which Rasulullah used to sit with the companions to consult, to have the consultation with them and to ask them and to have the shura and the mashura. That masjid was the launching point of all the Muslim armies that went and opened the lands in Iraq, in Sham, in Egypt, in North Africa, everywhere. It's the place where Rasulullah used to appoint the chief of the army. It's the place where the Prophet ﷺ used to write the treaties. It's the place where Rasulullah he used to welcome the delegations and the messengers from other tribes and other groups. It was the house of judgment, the courthouse. The masjid, it was the, if you will, the media center where Rasulullah used to declare, you know, the events and declare the, uh, the news and announce the news to the list of the Muslims. And... It was the place for the salah. That was the role of the, uh, of the masjid. And that was a key point that was needed 
that was needed before starting setting up the plan to help and overcome all of these issues that Rasul was facing in Medina. So these are the issues, and inshallah ta'ala, uh, next time we will talk uh, in more details how Rasul overcome all of these issues, especially that was you know, developed because of the nature of the society of, of Medina. As a matter of fact, Rasul he needed what? He needed a, a, a society that is strong in the relationship between the people, between the Muhajirin and Ansar. That state needed a homogeneous society that will help and support uh, this state. We will see how Rasulullah was able to fix all of these issues and to overcome them, inshallah ta'ala. So I would like to stop here and then we'll continue inshallah ta'ala next week. Jazakumullah khair wa Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and seerah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.